five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. That was uh, Sting with uh, Bring On The Night. And uh, when the world is running down, you make the best of what's still around, which is kind of baked into the title for today's show. I was trying to break in these new headphones. The, the volume on that wasn't very loud. I don't know why. Maybe it was the uh, actual recording itself. But a uh, very good movie. If you've never seen that film, Bring On The Night, it's, uh, you have some time to burn and you want to see a, a good concert movie in a documentary, uh, I highly recommend it. And uh, it's about Sting's post-Blue Turtle, uh, post-Police Band. I think it was the Blue Turtles. Do I have a stain in my shirt today? Yeah, my, oh, wow. I apologize for that. It's Monday, you know. It's a little rocky sometimes on Monday because of the Sunday night show, but that's besides the point. Anyway, it's a good movie. It's a really, really good movie. And um, I love the, the opening of that, of that, uh, of that, of that sequence it starts off in Paris. If you're not here watching the live stream and you're listening on the podcast, welcome anyway. Um, it starts in, starts in Paris and you see some, you know, very Parisian kinds of things. It, it was a Paris that, no longer exists, by the way, because Paris, like many other cities in the West, have been uh, ransacked by the quote-unquote globalists and have decided to uh, initiate, uh, whoa, hey, 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 initiate Europe into diversity. But I love I love that, and, and then they go to this chateau where a lot of the movie takes place. It's really between this chateau where they're uh, recording the record that will be uh, the dream of the Blue Turtles, and that was the name of Sting's little band there for a brief period of time, the Blue Turtles, which I saw. I saw that band that that exact version of that band. I think did like uh, maybe three, th three or four tracks, three or four songs at this big Amnesty concert, which I've talked about before from the 1980s. And they were highly entertaining because they did that tune. They actually did that tune. And then um, the band, while they were playing, that, the band at that, that, you know, the stage members, 
at that time were Omar Hakim on drums, monster drummer. Played, uh, I think, with Weather Report, monster drummer. His drum solo in the movie is phenomenal. It'll just knock your brains out if you're into drums. Uh, Branford Marsalis, uh, who I've always liked. I like him better than Wynton Marsalis. Wynton always seems like he has a stick up his ass. Seems like a nice guy, whatever. But Branford actually has a sense of humor on saxophone. Uh, Daryl Jones on bass, another really talented uh, jazz musician, bass player. And um, let's see. Kenny Kirkland, the late Kenny Kirkland on keyboards and piano. And Kenny, Kenny passed away very young, very talented. And then the two singers, uh, Dolette McDonald and Janice Pendarvis, who were a little bit older than the guys in the band. The guys in the band were all very young, as you can tell. I mean, they were pretty much all in the early 20s and just phenomenal musicians. But so at the concert, they're doing the tune and there's this one break that they don't have in the movie but Branford Marsalis breaks out into like a rap he starts to rap he's pretty good actually and he's doing this rap and um and then after he does this rap they start you know what they call stepping right so the the two girls uh Daryl Jones and Branford Marsalis and they start to do this stepping routine in line and it's like ah, this is really fucking cool and Sting's, you know, over there, you know, playing his guitar. And they're like, well, come on, come on, join in, join in, right? And Sting's like, what, what, what? Okay, okay. So then he gets, and he jumps in, and he starts stepping with them, because they've worked out this routine, right? It was great. It was really great. And it's like, wow, Sting is invigorated. He's reinvigorated. He's playing with all these young Turk jazz musicians. And they stayed with him for a while. I think they stayed with him, not all of them, uh, Kenny and Branford stayed with him through the Nothing Like the, S- the Sun tour. That was the follow-up to that record. Pretty good record, right? I mean, to me, I was kind of into Sting at that time. So he, they were on that tour. I saw that tour. In fact, I saw the tour. <laughs> such a weird time. I saw the tour back-to-back two nights. He played two nights at the Open Coliseum. And I had these, I had these two women who wanted me to go go to the show with them, right? Different women, not at the same time. It would have been problematic. And they were both kind of ex-girlfriends. It was weird. And they were both, they were both born in France. Uh, you know, French mothers, right? So it was, it was a, it was a weird kind of Gemini thing. And one night I sat behind the stage, which was an interesting place. And the other night I sat in front of the stage. Not not too close, but close enough to see the difference. But the, the weird part was when you when you see a show two nights in a row, especially with Sting, I could just see how scripted everything was. Like he did the same thing each night at the same marks in the same song. He and I think he was wearing extensions back then. He was into like this you know love God thing, and um, he took his shirt off. At the same point in the same song, two nights around, like, man, this is this is not rock and roll. This is like fucking Vegas, right? And um, and Kenny, I remember Kenny Kirkland and Branford Marsalis were kind of fucking with him a little bit. Like I I, I saw at one point because I knew the songs, and at one point 
Kenny change something in one of the songs because they're jazz musicians. They get bored. He changed something during one of the songs and then the band had to adjust. I think Sting made some kind of a comment. And then while Sting was talking in between tracks, Branford was making funny sounds on his saxophone one time. And Sting, you could tell Sting was a little annoyed. And you could, the, the, the relation was getting a little strained at that point. And then I think after that, they were, they were gone. And uh, Kenny Kirkland passed away a few years after that. And Branford went on to become, for a brief period of time, the music director of the, I think it was, was it The Tonight Show? His personality did not translate, which is, which is weird. It just did not, it did not translate very well because he's such a personable guy, very funny. He's a Virgo. And the guitar player of that group was Kevin Eubanks, who's a really good guitar player. And Branford didn't work out. They, they let him go. I think he was happy with that. And then Kevin Eubanks became the director. And Kevin Eubanks had a very nice rapport with, a, I'm pretty sure it was Jay Leno, right? He had a nice rapport with Jay Leno. And he was very friendly and self-effacing. And, and Jay could poke fun at him. And Kevin would just laugh. And, and I think he had a pretty good run on The Tonight Show as the leader of The Tonight Show Band. And the thing that's interesting about uh, that group and even the, the, the eventual evolution of Branford Marsalis as the band leader for The Tonight Show and then giving way to Kevin Eubanks is this idea of diversity. You know, I mean, it's, it, it always blows my mind that, that the social critics, the social engineers have been programming diversity, diversity, diversity. But it's the inverted version of diversity. It, it, you go back and look at those, look at that concert. That's like really fucking diverse. You 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 know, kind of a you know stiff guy from England and staying. He's a little stiff. Uh, definitely has an attitude. Good musician knows knows music. He's a smart motherfucker. And then you, the rest of his band is black, right? And they're all they're all American. So you have the English and American thing, the white black thing. You couldn't get away with that today. You could not get away with it. Let's who's popular now in England. Let's say Chris Martin of Coldplay. Let's say Chris Martin of Coldplay decided to get together with uh, a bunch of, you know, black American funk and jazz musicians. They would accuse Chris Martin of, of exploiting them. I guarantee you that. I guarantee it'd be like, okay, well, this is another version of white supremacy and colonialism. And those guys wouldn't play in that band. Wouldn't happen. And there's some interesting moments in the movie where the band is questioning how much they're getting. And they're, 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 they're talking to uh, Miles Copeland, who is Sting's manager and uh, Stuart Copeland's brother. And, he, and he's an alien. You, you can tell he's a fucking reptile. Miles Copeland is a reptile. And the Copeland family is very interesting. I mean, they're, they're CIA. And they were stationed in uh, the Middle East. And they were uh, instrumental in cozying up to a number of uh, British diplomats who were actually spies and passing lots of information onto the Soviet Union. And uh, I think Miles, I think Stuart has even talked about that before. But Miles Copeland is talking about 
they, they may have they may have the video clip on YouTube, but he's talking about the money. And because they're bringing it up to him, he's talking about it in the movie. And he says, look, this is Sting's pile, and this is your pile. If I were to put your names on the marquee, on the headline here in Paris, how many people do you think would show up? And if I put Sting's name on there, how many people would show up? And he said, do you get my drift? It's like, it's true. It's like, Sting's piece of the pie was big. Their piece of the pie, not as big. Now, I guarantee you, all those guys were young. And what they were getting in terms of uh, being paid for the recording and being paid for the tour, probably more than they made as jazz musicians. Although, Omar Hakim might have done okay uh, with Weather Report, but he was there at the end of Weather Report, which is a very great, it's a great band. Love Love Weather Report. Uh, it's a good movie. So if, you, if you're looking for... The other thing that's going on is that Sting is just at that point in time as I think he's like fresh into Trudy Styler who has a shit ton of money. You, they don't say that in the movie. Like, okay, oh, here's, here's Sting's new wife and she's pregnant. So that's another part of the backstory that Sting is rehearsing with this band, you know, like sharpening their, their, their saw, uh, and then recording the album and all towards a concert that's happening in Paris where they will play the majority The concert footage is great. There's an actual, um, two CD set from that tour which is a very good live record, very underrated live record. Uh, the, the audio quality is tremendous. It's on, I think, um, the uh, technology is called Quiax or something like that. Anyway, um, so there's this whole backstory with Trudy Styler being pregnant, and they're all taking bets on when the baby will be born. And of course, Sting wins. He nails it. He nails the day. I think he probably nails the time. This is and this is well. And you see them making bets well in advance. And then right after the concert, he goes to the hospital, and you get to see. I think it's is it Jake. Is it Jake Sumner? I think it's Jake. You see Jake be born like right on fucking camera, right? You know, I mean, you don't see the camera dialing into Trudy Styler's cervix or anything, right? Like, but they pull him out, and there he is. He's you know. This, bloody new life form uh so you know life for sting at that time was pretty good like if he had probably one of the really if you really distill it down and everybody's got their own version of what a good life is but at a high level that guy's got a hit record he's selling a lot of money he's flexing his creative chops because he's doing music that is more kind of jazz based. He's got the best young jazz fusion musicians in the United States. There's a feature film that's been made out of this by Michael Apted. He's married to this very wealthy uh, British woman. And then he has a kid with her, right? Like, man, are you not on top of the world at that point? 
but then she becomes this yoga master and then they get off into uh sex for hours and hours and hours at a time apparently that was rumor right and you can see my internet connection's unstable right you can see trudy uh trudy styler's uh, yoga videos on gaia she's got a bunch from a guy so if anybody is still subscribed to gaia you could check those out and you too could have multiple orgasms at home and having sex for six seven eight hours at a time if you can practice those positions and get into those positions and get your husband or your lover to get into those positions as well and just have a a night of orgiastic orgasmic not orgi orgasmic ecstasy Sounds okay, doesn't it? All right. Well, welcome officially to the show. Uh, let's see. Let me get into uh, CL or CT. Chantaria. What do you guys think of the new header? In fact, I kind of changed things around on the site a little bit, if you haven't noticed. We have a little bit of a color change. And uh, we have... Uh, so the header is from the movie City of God, which I think is one of the great movies of all time. Yeah, I don't know why it's glitchy today. Apparently, it has to do with my internet connection being unstable. Bloody new life form. Yeah, he was a bloody new life form. Uh, let's see. Scrubbies, what's going on, Tamara? I, I am going to be sitting down with the master today. Master Masaki, and we're going to be uh, diving into the spooky too today. I can't wait. What's going on? What's going on, Thor, at the door? Doing naked yoga on the beach. We got to go all the way back, back, back in the time. JJ Rainblock, you are early. There's my man, Double M, Mark Matheny. Homesteading, homesteading his life away, and that's not a bad thing. Uh, let's see who else do we have. There's my man, Ryan. Morning, Ryan. How are you, my brother? Uh, let's see, Cheryl. Is that Cheryl Lushavo? Empath. What's going on, Empath? Sony. Hello, hello. I love her. You guys have the best greetings. Uh, Hucklebuck411. Good day, people. Or our future Soylent Greenians. Oh, my God. You know... Sometimes I get up and I'm like, okay, what am I going to talk about today? Some days I know what I'm going to talk about because the wheels are turning. Uh, it's like a proud Mary in my head sometimes. And the wheels are turning. I'm like, oh yeah, this is something to talk about. Let's, let's explore this theme. And other days, um, the proud Mary is, uh, you know, still, still, still in dock. So I got to fire up the coal. I got to get the, uh, get the wheel, the wheel paddle wheels moving. And, uh, today I'm just thinking, well, there's a lot of dystopic things happening in the world. Maybe we can track some of them and, um, bat dystopia around like Jasper and Rosie were with the, uh, spider last night when they triangulated on it, they tag teamed on that little spider spider to its credit, uh, played dead. It, it went into, like, oh, 
I'm not functioning. And I knew it was playing dead. It was possum. The spider out possum, uh, the, t- the two, the cats can't catch a fucking mouse, but they can, they can uh, bully a spider into playing possum. Uh, it's like those nasty bars in Snowpiercer. I got to see Snowpiercer. Johnny Cruz has recommended it. Let's see, Celebrity Sausages. You guys are so on it, man. Gwyneth Paltrow is a candle. Oh, that's funny. You are so fucking, you guys are hilarious. When the world is running down. That's why I played that tune. When the world is running down, you make the best of what's still around. Hey, there's Fran. What's going on, Fran? Uh, Let's see, who else do we have here? Cremo. Hey, Christine, good to see you. What's happening? Uh, did I say hi to Miss Nakia? If not, there's a shout out to you. Beth Berry, double B, checking in. Chris and Steve, still in the arc of Beltane. Mm-mm-mm-mm. You know, I didn't get into the South Africa, the uh, Argentinian stuff last night because. I was I I got off into Johnny Depp land and Amber Heard land and Hunter S. Thompson land. Maybe I'll go over the Argentinian stuff today. Uh, let's see, Jacqueline. Good morning, JMP. Love, love, love. Jake, G to G, creeping up on your book release date. Can't wait to have you on the show when that happens. Gonna have the scoop on the biggest story. On the internet there, I think. I think it's coming. Although I think when they when they uh make make the the make your movie, I think you're gonna be played by Thandie Newton. Not that I want you to be played by Thandie Newton. But you will be played by Thandie Newton. No, no. It would not surprise me though. And you and I have had those conversations, by the way. It's not out of the realm of possibility. Um okay. Are we back? Is everything working now? Okay, good. A little glitchy. I think it's because of my uh, my internet connection. Did I miss anybody? Anybody anybody new in here? Did I miss anyone? Oh, Queen Lisa's here. What's going on? Queen Lisa. Where's King Pat? We haven't seen, seen King Pat. Also, sometimes he's you too. You guys have this uh, weird, weird trans thing on chat where you're each other's uh, person, which is cool. I mean, you know, you try each other out through chat. Right. Okay. Everybody. Okay. We're all here. Cool. Beautiful. Well, thank you for being here. Appreciate it. As you know, the show does have a sponsor and I cannot go by without mentioning my sponsor. And uh, let's do a little screen share with that. If you're listening, of course, on the podcast, which some of you do are and do fix my hood, fix my hood. Um, let's see. There we go. It's still off a little weird, right? It's got to come. Hold on. It's got to come this way. There we go. That's better. Kind of. Okay. Last time I wore for the KKK meeting, it was, uh, it worked just fine. Um, of course, you know, I'm kidding. What was I talking about? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. Last night's show. Yeah, I got up into Johnny Depp world. Because those charts are fascinating, especially to me, the the most fascinating are the the uh, Johnny Depp and the Amber Heard chart. I mean, even if you don't heard, you have a passing interest in astrology, those charts are fucking fascinating. And the one with Hunter S. Thompson, which I do believe is supernatural, and I do believe Johnny Depp is having some form of uh, possession with Hunter S. Thompson. I think that's very interesting too. I did not get to Alexander Dugan. I'll get to him next week. See, I have I have an overabundance of content sometimes. I get to roll it to the next show. Uh, so let's get into the let's get into the eclipse a little bit because you are the recipients of last night's leftovers, but they're good leftovers. It's like leftover spaghetti. It's always tasting better the next night. You know, the, the sauce has a chance to, wow, I got fuzzy there. The sauce has a chance to really congeal a little bit more, right? It gets to become more of that sauce. I don't know if uh, the next night's lasagna is better, but the next night's spaghetti. So today you're having last night's spaghetti for breakfast, and it's better in some ways. Okay. So let's just get into, because there's some interesting stories. Oh, before I go away, I got to mention True Hemp Science. By the way, you guys have been great in supporting uh, Chris. He's telling me he's getting lots of uh, feedback. Uh, he's making some sales, some inquiries, a lot of good feedback. So thank you for doing that. Thank you for participating and uh, supporting him. And if you've, if you've received some of the product, and have used it, let me know, right? Let me know if it's been, you know, if you've enjoyed it and it's been a success for you. So if you're listening, clearly you're watching, but if you're listening, True Hemp Science is a sponsor of the show. And uh, the, and I, as I've shared before, uh, Christopher Lynch is a friend of mine. I've known Christopher since roughly 2014, 2015. I think it was, I was definitely living in, Austin when I first met Chris and um, I did a, an actual in-person reading with him uh, at Central Market. It was the first time I met him and, it was, and I was like, this is a cool guy and very interesting background, which he really hasn't shared very much. He, he had a background in finance. So he comes out of the finance world. Uh, so he decided he got turned on to CBD and you know, his story and I've seen him go through, the various iterations of his business and the product has always been super high quality. And if you have inflammation or pain, I highly recommend it. Um, and if you need to sleep at night, he's got the CBD gummies and you can taste the CBD. You can taste the terpenes in the gummies. And I've bought, I think, uh, who is it? I think Gaia, if I'm not mistaken, Gaia has a brand of CBD gummies, the herb company. I, I bought those. They're not bad. They have, you know, there's more like passion flower and uh, what else? Uh, melatonin, right? It's more of a blend. Chris has some of that, but it's mostly, mostly CBD. So you get some of the blend, but 
it's it's a it's a different different ratio, different percentage, different mixture. So it works. In fact, it works so good. I'm out. I have to get I have to get some more. Uh, and also CBD for pets, by the way. And all you got to do is go right down in there and uh, click on True Hemp Science. And you have 15 mins right there. That is your code. One five and M I N S capital. And you'll get, if you order a hundred dollars worth, you'll get $20 worth of free product that Chris will include in your order. So you get a little, you get a little boost. So true hemp science will shout out for them at the beginning of the day. All right. Let's get into the eclipse stuff a little bit. Cause I think it's worth talking about. And I did not uh, cover it last night. So I'm going to recover it today. And we're going to look at the eclipse path. And I really like this site called timeanddate.com because they do a really good job of, um, of showing what the eclipse path is look, looks like, what the, what the eclipse sun looks like. This eclipse sun almost looks like a Venn diagram. Yeah. There was a partial solar eclipse right here. And here's where it was seen. Uh, I'll show you. So it's a very odd eclipse, right? This is what I was talking about. And it really takes place right here on the ice wall. You can just, in fact, you can fucking see the ice wall here. Who knows how long that thing goes, right? So it's taking place right there at the edge of the ice wall in Antarctica and really focusing on the bottom. This would be where the, I think the, the, the black, the part of the black sun, which is the partial eclipse, right? This is the, the bulk of it, the majority of it taking place here. And then other parts of Argentina. And of course we can have a little bit of Uruguay and Chile, but really focusing on Argentina and Antarctica, the two A spots, the two A zones. So like I said on last night's show, because I got a little bit derailed, sometimes it happens. Um, I was, uh, went in and I looked at like, what's going on in Argentina? And some very interesting things happening in Argentina right around uh, the eclipse. So let's just do a quick little search here for uh, Argentina news. So there's a lot of lot of news in Argentina about the Falklands. The Falklands conflict remains an open wound, and that's coming, you know, onto the uh, onto the the you know the the uh, just the aftermath of the eclipse. Here, I'll give a little share here, and I'll show you what's happening. And very interesting stuff, right? So when you look at what happened. I've seen some very interesting documentaries on the Falklands War. And the Falklands are this godforsaken, you know, these islands off the coast of southern Argentina uh, to the east, obviously. And it's been occupied for a long period of time by English settlers. So at one point, the Argentine 
government and Navy decided, hey, we're going to take it back. We're going to go in and we're going to take it back. And they did. They went there and they said, we're here now. This is our place. And what ensued was a pretty nasty war. There was a lot of damage. There was deaths. There were people that were dismembered. Like, pretty fucking nasty. And um, the Argentines kind of got their asses kicked. Uh, The English were bound and determined to prove something to the rest of the world. Like, they still had it. And Argentina got eclipsed during that war, right? They, they got eclipsed. They certainly took a hit with their Navy. They lost, I think, maybe two or three ships. They lost men. The, the English lost at least one ship. Uh, so it was, you know, it's pretty ugly. It remains an open wound. It's like, okay, well, you know, why, why didn't you, like, pursue diplomatic like a diplomatic, why didn't you buy the salt? Why didn't you buy the Falklands from England? Just, just buy it from them. Say, look, we want to buy this. Take out a loan. You know, go see, uh, go see the Rothschilds. Take out a loan and buy the Falklands. Instead, they just went in and they took it. Now, I don't know if England set them up, but remember now, this is the time of Thatcher, and they're not going to lose that war. They're going to do everything in their power to come back to the world and say, look, we're still a power in the world. And we can, if you decide to uh, take one of our, one of our properties, we'll, we'll, we'll hit you back. Right. It was a stupid war. It was a stupid fucking war. And if Argentina wanted it that badly, them a trade, maybe who knows. Right. So, this is about Argentina being eclipsed. They were eclipsed in that war. It's exactly what happened. To me, the crypto stuff is very interesting because they're, they're, they're embracing Bitcoin um, in Argentina, right? They're also bringing back this whole thing with the disappeared. So, so Argentina, uh, internet connection unstable, I don't know why. Uh, Argentina, in the shadow of Mercury retrograde, although some people believe that there is no such thing as Mercury retrograde. But this is clearly revisionist history, right? They're looking at the Falklands War. They're looking at um, what happened with the disappeared. And the disappeared, there's a, there's a book called Imagining Argentina, which I read a long time ago. It was incredibly well-written but it got, it was incredibly depressing too. And it was about a journalist who winds up being abducted. And essentially what was happening is that the, the communists were in South America and they're trying to flip these countries, right? So they're having these insurrections. The, like the seventies and the eighties were the color revolutions for South America in Central America. You, clearly you saw it in Nicaragua. Right. So these, the people who were running these countries, like, well, what do we do? You know, how do we deal with this? 
And Ar- Argentina or it has been like a, a mouse that's being battered around by, by, by a global cat all the time. That's what it feels like. Just in terms of its debt. I didn't say this last night, but Argentina has 40 fucking percent inflation. Think about that. 40% inflation. That's coming out, right? They're talking about this now. You got a bad in the United States. Well, why don't you take a little uh, trip down to Argentina and experience 40% inflation? Well, let's take the American dollar down there. And I bet you we don't have 40% inflation, no matter how bad the dollar is. We, If we took dollars to Argentina, we'd still probably do pretty well. But they're not on dollars. So they pay a lot of money for their goods and services, which is why Argentina is embracing cryptocurrency. And this was coming out, right? This was coming out. Now they're reviving the Falklands issue in India. This is all weird, right? It's all coming out of this eclipsed area. So we can see that that, that the eclipsed energy is connecting to uh, this, this, this global network in a lot of ways. I don't know why they're doing that. That was a week ago, again, in the in the window of the eclipse. But the, the, the Bitcoin stuff, the cryptocurrency and Bitcoin is getting very big there. You see, we have this very nice, Germanic-looking woman. It's good for you. It's healthy. It's healthy. Jump in. The water's warm. They're also using a shit ton of electricity. They're not English. Argentina reignites Falkland tensions with furious BBC interview. This is all coming. That started a month ago and it really, again, coming out during the eclipse. And here we go. Argentina's disappeared, can't be erased by extremists. And of course, we have the, uh, the obelisk there in the background. The disappeared were, in a lot of ways, they, they, they were communist sympathizers. And they were trying to overthrow the government. Did the government deserve it? I don't know. Sometimes they do. Sometimes they're just trying to get a handle on the fucking situation. So what did they do? It's like, okay, we're snatching you up and, um, you know, we're, we're tying some weights around your, your, your feet and you're, you're going for a, you're going for a little, uh, little bath out there by the Falklands. That's what happened. And what did they do? Well, they managed to quell the dissent. Where, where did they get the, uh, the, the strategy, the technique from, from, from the United States? Because that's who they reached out to. Hey, how do we do this? How do we deal with this? Well, you, you just, you take the people who are your dissenters and the people that want to rabble rouse and overthrow your government. And um, well, you just disappear them. Brutal, but effective. And a lot of people would, would say, well, that's just, you know, outright fascist. You can't do that. Well, how the fuck do you deal with insurrectionists if you don't teach them a lesson? We've seen what happened. We saw it here. We saw it in 2020, Summer Floyd, insurrectionists, the Purple Revolution. And, you know, revolutions don't happen overnight. 
like if you look at what happened with the Bolsheviks, they started around 1911. So they were two years into, you know, overthrowing uh, Stalingrad, Leningrad, whatever they, you know, the, they were two years into that. And then they, once they did that, then they moved into Moscow and they took over Moscow. And by that time, uh, let's see, it was around, I think they started this whole thing around 1911, if I'm not mistaken. But they really got heavily engaged around 1915. It's that two year period. And then 1917 on 11-9, right, um, Leningrad fell to them, which later became Stalingrad. They should have just kept naming it after, you know, whoever was in power, Khrushchevograd, Putingrad. You have to, you have to you admire Putin's restraint. He didn't name that city after himself. Anyway, it takes, sometimes it takes a while for a revolution to occur. And certainly it occurred here and we're still in it, right? They, they managed to tear down statuary. That's a big fucking deal. And the response to the anarchy and the, and the, uh, the violence and the destruction of property was uh, limp. It was limp. There was no, there was no resistance. None. I was I was shocked by how much the Trump administration stood down. Like, if you're trying to make a point, like, hey, look, is this who you want? We know that Biden's behind this. We know that Obama's behind this. We know that the leftists are behind this. Do you want this as your as your government? And even that wasn't made clear, right? If Trump had made that clear and said, these are the people behind this, and I'm calling it out right now. Whoever Putin is, do you think Putin would have hesitated to do that? No, not at all. That's what Putin, whoever this character that plays Putin, that's part of, that's part of this Putin script. They, this Putin talks about it. Trump kind of talked about it, but didn't. He never mentioned Black Lives Matter. Never. Mentioned Antifa a couple times, threatened to finger them as a, as a terror organization. Didn't do it. And finally, they were able to, through their comms, get Antifa to start stop doing a lot of shit once Biden became elected. You know, that's just, it's, it's, it's just like what happened with Reagan. And when Reagan got elected, you had the whole Iran-Contra thing. Then the fiasco in Iran. And once Reagan got elected, it's like, okay, we're going to send the hostages home now. How old was I? Uh, 20. And I thought to myself, this is bullshit. This is bullshit. I, I you know, my, my understanding of, of geopolitics at that time was very limited, but I had good instincts and I knew it was bullshit. It's like, man, fixes in here. These motherfuckers. These motherfuckers ran that thing. And even when, okay, and I'll be honest here, even when Jimmy Carter tried to rescue uh, the hostages 
and it was like a failed Bay of Pigs thing. I knew that he'd been set up. I knew it. It's like, okay, again, limited understanding. But it's like somebody fucked that thing up on purpose. It's just too incompetent. And we, as a nation, are not that incompetent. And that's 1979, 1980. we, We had seeds of incompetency, which were, I think, intentional. But, you know, we're still coming out of a very competent period of time. And we're about to ramp up on the on the we're, we're on the upslope, right, of the greatest technological developmental phase in modern history. Anyway, you want to get rid of the extremists. You want to end the extremism. You got to get rid of them. And that's what Argentina, Argent, Argentina, Argentina. What the fuck am I talking about? It's early. That's what Argentina did. They got rid of them. Okay. Southcom commander visits Argentina, Chile. That is right in the heart of the eclipse. There we go. General Laura Richardson. Shall we check out Laura Richardson? Did you know that Laura Richardson was an army general and the Southcom commander? So she's in charge of the Southern Command. Here she is. Clear your shoes. Argentina, you know, South America, very, it's a very male-oriented um, society, right? Very male-oriented culture. Although they do have a fondness for the Virgin Mary. Now you know that she was named commander on purpose. You know that, right? Just to kind of fuck with these guys. Uh, we're going to send you a woman. There she is, right there. Greetings. Are they doing a Masonic handshake? Probably. She looks like a school teacher. (laughs) God. Here we are. a, A vision of America's strength in action. Very interesting. This is all part of the eclipse cycle here looking very authoritarian there. There she is addressing the Argentine people. Looks a little like Chuck Schumer in that picture. This guy's going, why the fuck is she here? Oh, I'm sure our our, our Argentina is very woke at this point. They're they're happy to embrace. Oh, look, they're wearing masks and they're showing off their spiffy technology here. Look at this poster in the background. That's fucking weird. Right, look at this. You got these kids. Looks like they're these kids. What the hell is this? And you've got this... uh, Looks like a nuclear explosion in the background. That is weird. These people are fucking weird. All of them. And they're all wearing their masks. <laughs> is that who is who is that in the background? Boulevard? Is that who it is? The great Boulevard? Simone. Notice, notice the purple. 
Yep, wearing a little purple there. Was she flashing a gang sign here? What is that about? Looks like she's hanging on to the arm of the chair and flashing a, that's not a gang sign, but it kind of looks like it. Any other photos? There she is with the girls. Argentina's version of her. She's looking pretty Germanic, isn't she? That looks like Texas. That looks like the Texas flag. And back to the beginning. All right, she was there in Argentina uh, on the eclipse. What's going on with that? All right, oh, we want to get out of this. Let's see. All right, there I go all the way back. I go all the way back. Okay, here we go. Um, but there are some other interesting stories. Argentina, lithium geophysics delineates potential extent of conductive brine aquifers. So there's a lot going on in Argentina, especially with raw materials. Their, their uh, economy is in shambles. Jeffrey Sachs says uh, Argentina needs continuity of reasonable policies. Scientists discover fossil of largest raptor dinosaur. Fake. Let's see what else we have here. Argentina acknowledges Indian support for resolving Falklands. Can't let it go. Food prices rose 20% in just three months in this country. That's the story of the North, not just the South. More dinosaur talk. Uh, let's see, they're getting uh, Italy to finalize a $3 billion aid package to Argentina. India urges Argentina to do away with export duty on sunflower oil. Looks like they've got some things going on with India. Chile, who is in the eclipse zone, pledges energy cooperation on a trip to Argentina. So, you know, they're, they're, what do we have here? A national, what? This is Bitcoin two days ago. So the whole, the whole um, cryptocurrency thing is really taking off there, but it's also putting a, a bleed on the system energy-wise and power-wise. Let me see if I can find it. Starving for natural gas, Argentina gets relief from Bolivia. Argentina grapples with soaring inflation. Yeah, 40%. And a lot of this, again, is coming out during the eclipse. Uh, decades high. in Mar So this is a global. Inflation is a global event, not just here, the United States, a global event. Uh, so we're going further and further back. But there was this really weird story about Argentina's ambassador Israel resigns after corruption conviction. It's pretty corrupt. All the countries in South America are very corrupt. And when somebody has come in to try to clean up the corruption, what happens? Well, you get the communists come in and they'll put a roadblock to it. Sometimes it can be an excuse for, you know, dictatorial fascism. You know, every now and then, I, I think you got to play the role of a fascist in order to clean the place up. I'm sorry, it's just the way it is. 
you know, if you pander to special interest groups, they, 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 it, it's death by a million paper cuts. And then you're fucked. Like how we are here in this country. Like, I don't think Trump was enough of a fascist. I'll be honest with you. He was not enough of people complain. Oh, he's a fascist. Oh, he's a homophobe. Oh, he's a racist. Oh, he's a sexist. He really wasn't any of those things. He wasn't. Certainly wasn't a fascist. If he was a fascist, the whole George Floyd thing and Antifa thing, they would have been stomped out like bugs. Okay, they would have been put. They would have been put out on, uh, you know, shitty mothball, you, you know, uh, destroyers or carriers or whatever, out into the Pacific Ocean. They would have loaded them up, right? Took them out there, airlifted uh, the people who were piloting the craft and then fired a missile and blew the fucker up. That's what they would have done. They would have gotten rid of an old piece of shit, naval craft, and they would have, they would have dealt with you know, the extremist scourge. Do that a couple of times and all of a sudden you're, you're, you're putting a big chunk, taking a big chunk out of the resistance. And they didn't do that. And they could have, look, they had all their comms. They, they could dial in. They had people sitting on these meetings. Not at one point in time. Did, now, could it have been worse and we don't know about it? Maybe. Possibly. But that's not really the case. It's pretty bad. I don't think it helped Trump's cause a lot. And at some point, there's overkill. Like, like everyone uses a political strategy. Like, look, you elect these people. This is what you're going to get. And it, this is what we got. We're watching this thing just go into free fall. You know, now, now Biden is basically saying, yeah, we need more and more immigrants. I just saw a clip of him. We need more immigrants. And uh, in 2023, uh, America, you know, white Northern European Americans, will be a minority for the first time in this country. And it's a good thing. And you've got Alexander Mayorkas sitting next to him smirking. And this is, this is, this is what people theoretically elected. And I say theoretically, because I don't think he won. And I know it's a crazy crackpot conspiracy tinfoil hat theory, but I don't think I'm wrong. And neither do you. And some of you may say, well, it doesn't matter because the system is created to fail. And I do believe that that's true too. We've learned that. Nonetheless, we did have the system in place and the system created what it was created to create, which was bedlam and chaos and anarchy. And it did not, it did not suit or fit uh, a group that might've actually benefited from bedlam, chaos and anarchy. But then what they tried to do is create the January 6th event and say, oh, well, these people that were responsible for bedlam and chaos and anarchy. See, it was these people, not all these other people that happened during the entire summer, spring and summer of 2020. No, not those people. Those people were just, uh, you know, exercising their right for free speech and freedom of assembly. Hmm. The other people, no, 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 no. They're insurrectionists, and they represent this very dangerous current, this undertow in American politics. 
which threatens the safety of everybody and the world in general. So we have to take them out. And you can be somebody like Jason Whitlock or Delano Squires or even Royce White, and uh, you are a black, you are a white nationalist, even though you might be black. So that's what they did. And that's what they do. They cover their tracks by creating the exact same scenario that they created. They've done this for a long time. It's nothing new. Nothing new. But had Trump been a better fascist, we wouldn't be, we wouldn't be uh, in this position. He was a terrible fascist. Terrible. Obama was a really good fascist. You want, you want fascism? Obama was great. Did great with corporations. Um, did great with seizing power and control at any cost. Did great at muzzling dissent. Still doing a very fine job of muzzling dissent, even though uh, spiritually the man is uh, not doing well. He's got a spiritual sickness. He was a much better fascist than Donald Trump ever was. Trump was a fail, total fail. If I had been president, if I if I'd been president, and I've said this before, as soon as they pulled this stupid fucking coronavirus bullshit, I would have seized control. That would have been my that would have been my cue. Okay, we're seizing control here. Really seizing control. Yeah, we're 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 going in, and we are we are basically taking over ABC, NBC, CBS. CNBC, Fox, CNN, right? We're taking them over. You want you want a little crisis? We're going to give you a fucking crisis. We're taking them over. That should have been the response. I've said it before. If you're new to the program, you get to hear it now. That should have been the response. You take them over. And you sit them down. Well, because they're not getting any advertising revenue during this time, Right? Like if you tune in and to those stations, and I'm talking even the networks, you tune in on those stations, you're either going to get somebody from the White House or you're going to get, and by the way, it's not going to be Burks and it's not going to be Tony Fauci. You're going to get somebody from the White House or you're going to get uh, a blank screen, not a blank screen, but a graphic that talks about that we're in a national state of emergency. I would have closed all the borders immediately. Done. Close them up. Hardcore. I would use that opportunity to shut everything down as much as possible. Get down to the fucking border. Build the fucking wall in about a month. Okay, so here's your money. Go. Right, go. Make it happen. That's what I would have done. Stopped everything from China for a month. Yep, supply chain. It's the way it goes. Right? The way it goes. And then you sit down with the heads of the various networks and say, okay, this is coming back on in 30 days. In 30 days. And when, it, and when this comes back on and you get to be able to earn revenue again, here's what your coverage is going to be. Your coverage is going to be much more fair and balanced. And if people want to pick a bone with the, with the, with the establishment or, the, or my, my presidency, it's fine. But you're going to have to take a much more balanced approach. And you need, and I need to see the memos that you're sending out. 
to your supporters or not your supporters, but your, 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 your affiliates, right? I need to see those memos. They got to be on my desk. And if you, if you don't do that, I'm going to revoke your license. I'll revoke your license for violating, you know, whatever it is we're in right now. That's what I would have done. Absolutely. And guess what else I would have done? I would have removed fucking people from inside the establishment. Right. If Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, you know, these fucks and even people like Lindsey Graham and, 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 and uh, Mitch McConnell, I would remove them. Right. So when the lights came back on, they wouldn't be there. You'd wake up and be a whole new regime, right? Whole new world and say, look, this is what happened. You know, during the last 30 days when we stomped out coronavirus, because that's what you're going to come back with. We stomped it out. And that's, the, and that's the message also that you have to send to the networks. You're going to have to send the message that we beat this fucking thing. And if you don't, I'll, I'll revoke your license. And I'll do within 24 hours notice. And you'll be shut down. See, that's what a good dictator does. That's what a good fascist does. Right? And then you come up with a story and you bring out all the corruption and all the bullshit around Schumer and Pelosi and, and they're gone. They're just gone, right? You, you take them away. You pick them up. You disappear them like Argentina. Who would be opposed to that, really? Like, you have people on the left, and you're taking out these crusty old rhinos. People on the left go, good, great. We didn't like those fuckers anyway. And the people on the right, uh, well, good. We didn't like, that's a way to bring the country together, honestly. So when the lights come back on, it's a very different place. And then you, you, send, you send the message like, okay, we're going to have special elections and we are going to be very watchful over those elections. And you take out a huge chunk of the Democratic machine and Democratic Party, probably including Barack Obama, Susan Rice, whoever. And some people say, well, they're already in Gitmo or they're already in, who knows? I, I, it's like, when I see Obama go through his little stuttering, his stuttering trip at Stanford, to me, that looks like Obama, maybe a lesser version of Obama, but it looks like Obama. Sorry, it does. But that's what I would have done. And then the rest of the world is like, what the fuck just happened here? Yeah, Trump was a really good fascist. He was a fascist for the people. That, boys and girls, is how fascism works. The friendly face of fascism. Not the unfriendly face of fascism. Did he do that? No, he didn't do that at all. It was a constant case of capitulation. Do you like that alliteration? A constant case of capitulation? It could be like a hip-hop rhyme. A constant case of capitulation. Coming through the hip-hop nation. It sounds a little old. It sounds white, doesn't it? Anyway... Water under the bridge. We're here now. And we're dealing with a different kind of fascism. We're dealing with uh, senile grandpa fascism. Get off my lawn! wonder how long that's going to last. Okay. Should we get into some dystopia? So I never know what I'm going to talk about. Sometimes I do. Uh, Elon Musk will not take over Twitter until November. So there's a lot that can still happen in Twitterville, obviously. 
Uh, let's see. What else do we have here? What's in the headlines? Worldwide stockpiling and panic buying commences. Pay attention to that, which means your shelves are going to start to get emptier. Uh, what else do we have here? Pfizer has been found guilty of negligence and fraud and bribery over the past two decades. Why should we trust them now? I agree. Mm -hmm. uh, let's see. Trump is endorsing Dr. Oz. Trump's not right, by the way. He's not right. This is one of his one of his rallies. Um, so he's endorsed J JD Vance, who is mildly interesting. And I say mildly. And uh, so here is Trump at one of his rallies where nobody's showing up anymore. You know, we've endorsed Dr. Oz. We've endorsed JP, right? J.D. Mandel. And he's doing great. They're all doing good. That's what they're waiting for. They're waiting for one race. You know, we've endorsed Dr. Oz. We've endorsed JP, right? J.D. Mandel. And he's doing great. They're all doing good. They're so his name is not JP. It's JD. And uh, it's not Mandel. It's Vance. It's J.D. Vance. He doesn't know the fucking guy's name. <laughs> it's like, come on. Come on, Donald. And Dr. Oz, do you, like, do you really want to, do you really want to elect that guy? I mean, you're in Pennsylvania. I mean, it's like you're kind of in a rock and hard spot, right? I mean, maybe there's another so-called Republican or conservative that you want to elect there or put your vote towards. You know, does it really matter in a lot of ways? Probably doesn't. But nonetheless, if you are into the voting world, do you want this guy? Do you want him? He's, he's, he's a red flag guy. He's, he's into taking guns away. That's that's one of his things. I mean, he's not a conservative at all. No, he's a flaming fucking liberal running as a conservative. And well, Trump's candidates have not fared well. It, it might almost be the kiss of death with Trump at this point. I think in, uh, where was it? Was it in Virginia? He endorsed somebody else besides the uh, the giant didn't work out so well pretty sure about that um Danny Bonaducci looks like shit let me show you Danny Bonaducci and you you know who Danny is right Danny Bonaducci of the Partridge family who happens to be my age and um 
He looks horrible. Let me show you a picture of Danny Bonaducci. Mystery illness. Danny, you have uh, vaccine-induced AIDS. Vaccine-induced HIV. So, okay, we got, we got the Partridge family. Look at him here. I guess he's living in Seattle because he's, he's rocking a Mariner's jersey. This is Danny Bonaducci right here. Look at him. He's got a cane. This guy's wasting away. Charlie Chaplin, Willie Wonka, Danny Bonaducci. I've joined the club of cool guys with canes. Well, I guess uh, I guess you got to make light of it somehow. Who knows? Maybe they'll be able to bring this guy back, but uh, it certainly certainly doesn't appear to be that way. There's Shirley Jones. David Cassidy's mom, and Reuben Kincaid. Dave Madden, who played manager Reuben Kincaid on The Partridge Family, died Thursday at age 82. I only launch new careers. I don't. So, okay, this is the guy who played Reuben Kincaid. He died on Tuesday, and now Danny Bonaducci looks like he's a death store. This is interesting. Finance them. TMZ reports Madden. His former agent says he died of congestive heart and kidney failure after a long illness. Can you say? On the Partridge family, he was tasked with keeping the kids in line, but he also appeared on other TV shows, including Laugh-In. As a regular performer, his career started out in nightclubs. Madden wrote books later in life, including his memoirs. Partridge Family star Danny Bonaducci wrote on Twitter that the actor was like family. I'll truly miss him. Madden died near his home in Florida. He is survived by his wife and his children. David Cassidy's dead, too. He's gone. I don't know if Sean Cassidy's around. Partridge Family. Susan Day was pretty. So there you go, Danny Bonaduce. Not looking pretty, not looking good. Not looking good. You gotta you gotta, you know, rock a cane and take time away from work. It's pretty serious. Pretty serious. And I I bet I bet that he got he got jibby jabbed. Somebody accused me, somebody from James Madison University, like a student there, accused me of stealing tweets. But I'm a tweet thief. I've never stolen a fucking tweet in my life. The only time I've taken somebody's tweet is if I follow somebody and I can't retweet them. Because, <laughs> excuse me, there's a function on Twitter that does not allow you some people will, will, will say, no, you can't retweet this. These are private tweets. That's cool. I'm fine with that. You, I'm happy to be a part of your private tweet world. 
right? But sometimes your tweets are good tweets and I'd like to share them with the world. Not a lot out of maybe 100 tweets, I might have two. And if I could retweet them, I would, but I can't. And I don't know who the fuck, I, I don't know why somebody would accuse me as being a tweet thief. It's just bizarre. I've been accused of other things, but not a tweet thief. I'm not big on uh, plagiarism. You know, a lot of people will send me material to watch. You got to watch this. 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 And sometimes I do. A lot of times I don't. I'm just being honest with you. Okay. And there's a reason why. If I watched everything that everybody sent me, I wouldn't get anything done. I'm, and that's close to the truth. That's number one. Number two, uh, I try not to let other people's ideas get into my head because I want my ideas to be as close to original as possible. And there's a lot of bleed through and there's so much information with the internet that sometimes it's really hard to, you know, stay in the original fold, right? It just happens. There's no real new ideas. Although sometimes you could have a fresh take on them, but I just, I don't, I don't want to, like I, when I was young and I was, you know, consider myself a poet, uh, I didn't, I didn't want to read other people's poetry because I didn't, I didn't want it to get into my head. I didn't want to say, Ooh, I want to sound like Rilke or Ooh, I want to do sight poems. Like, you know, fill in the blank. E. Cummings didn't really do sight poetry a little bit, but there was this one time when I, I wrote this poem about Pharaoh Sanders, who's the great saxophone player. And I'd seen Pharaoh Sanders uh, perform live at Grace Cathedral. It was, it was a great event. It was, to me, it was like how sacred music really, you know, should be performed. And uh, I was really moved by that concert. So I, I wrote a poem and I wrote a sight poem and it, it really was, you know, this poem where th there were lines at the bottom and then the lines rose to the top and then there were lines at the top. So it was kind of like the music of the, of the, uh, of the concert. Right. And that was, I think I wrote that poem in maybe 1988, I think. And uh, in 1991, I was working at this restaurant in Olympia, Washington. I had gone to the library, and at that time, I did pull out a book of poetry. And it was, it was like a, an anthology of American poetry. And I was, and I was, you know, looking through it a little bit. And so one night, I was, I was uh, uh, at the, at the bar after after you know, it was after my shift. And uh, the restaurant was still open, but people were off their shift, and they, you know, starting to congregate and drink at the water hole. So there was this woman who was there who had nothing. She had no interest in poetry at all. She was not, not a bad person. She was just having interest. But I didn't really. I was like, okay, we're going to talk about poetry now. Uh, that was I was a few drinks in. Like, we're going to talk about poetry now. So I um. I started. I started to talk about this poem that I'd written and I was talking about it. And then I went through this book and I opened this 
page to this poem and it was called on Pharaoh Sanders playing his sax. I think I'd brought out the, I think I had my poems with me and I brought it down. And I, was, and I, and I, I was looking for an example of a sight poem and that fucking poem came up. See if I can find it. And Let me see if I can find this thing. And now it was really, because number one, they didn't have uh, any poetry. They weren't, they weren't into, they weren't into any, po they weren't into poetry, right? Uh, and then it's like, okay, well, are they really into this synchronicity? So now it's like way, way, way off road at that point. Pharaoh Sanders is still alive. He's still alive. He's still playing. The creator has a master plan. If I find that poem, I'll, I'll try to, not my poem, but the other poem, I'll try to share it. Uh, yeah, they wrote, a, they wrote a, a big piece on him in 2020. Pharaoh Sanders. With, uh, was it the singer's name? Leon Michael Thomas, I think. Creator has a master plan. I used to play that song. Anyway, we didn't get too dystopic, did we? We did not get too dystopic. I try not to get too dystopic because too dystopic. See, you could talk about dystopia 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 20 years ago. And it was kind of cool, right? It was almost like a, like a genre, like a style. Now it's like too close in a lot of ways. It's like, oh. like the poster says in 2020, soil and green, like this is what's going on with the world, right? 2020 and all this, all this shit went down in 2020. You know, you look at those movies, Soil and Green, what else? Children of Men, uh, Mad Max, they're all taking place like between 2019 and 2022. All these dystopic classics are taking place in the 2020s. Is there any is there any uh, mistake about that? Do you, do you think that that's random? Children of Men, of course, featuring the whole depopulation theme, featuring themes of immigrants, featuring themes of violence, anarchy, right? Pretty prescient movie. We've we've broken it down before. They're like time capsules. Time capsules set to go off in the future. Which I guess what time capsules do. All right. I think I'm out of here. We have six minutes left in the show. Should I should I play some music or something? A little comedy. All right, I'm flying blind on this right now. Totally flying blind which is sometimes what I do anyway. All right, let's see what we have here. How long is this? All 
All right, it's a five-minute bit. I think we'll get it in, or at least part of it. Uh, one of my favorite comedians from the 1970s and 80s was Franklin Ajay. And um, not a very well-known comedian, but very, very funny. So why don't we play a little Franklin Ajay here, and uh, we'll, we'll round it off. I'll probably end it, the show, before, before the end of the set. Here we go. Thank you. Thank you very much. I, uh, after I do the show tonight, I have to uh, go to New York and uh, buy. She said buy so quick. <laughs> and uh, New York's where I started out, see, as a comedian. I started out four years ago in New York City. And uh, I'm going to tell you how I got my start. <laughs> and the trip thing, first off, I don't like going to New York because they're very superstitious in New York. You know, they think that if they let a black cat walk behind them at night, it's bad luck, see? <laughs> and, uh, no, that's true. Because my brother and I were walking behind this old couple one night. Boy, you know, we just mind our business. We're nice, you know, and they kept looking back over their shoulders, man, you know, and finally they stepped to the side and let us pass, you know? And my brother and I, we were so insulted, we just went on and robbed them, okay? <laughs> I used to go down to these little clubs, man, to start out. I used to went down, went down to this club called The Bitter Inn, which was a small little club, see, with the dirtiest restroom I've ever seen. You know, they had a giant germ that would open the door for you, all right? You just stand there. Hello, I'm V.D. Stapakakis. Come on in. You say, no, that's all right. It's okay. And uh, the thing, man, was uh, wouldn't nobody come out to see me? You know, I remember one night I walked out on the stage and there was about five people in the audience, see? So I said, hey, you know, what made you people come tonight? And they looked at each other and they got up and left. See <laughs> it, man. I like, man, the thing is, you got to be really good when you got a black audience, too, when you first start out, see? Because brothers will talk back to you, you know? That's right. You hear what I mean? See that? Right on. All right. I mean, you say something like, know what I mean? A brother yell out, no, I don't know what you mean, man. <laughs> Explain it to me, because I pay my money to understand everything. <laughs> Dead. And I don't say nothing back, neither, Jack. Your brother jump up on the stage and put on a show going upside your head, you did? <laughs> Get very good reviews, excellent reviews. I worked with the Temps and the Spinners one time, man, at the Apollo Theater. First, the spinners came out, man, just tore up the place, man. Then they had the human sacrifice, which was me, all right? <laughs> you know, I came out on stage, man, there was nothing but pimps in the audience, Jack. They were all waking up, and they looked, hey, get off the stage, nigga, we don't want to see that stuff. Get on off, man. I said, well, you all can go to hell, then I walked off. <laughs> then they really got mad. Bring that little nigga back. <laughs> I like it, man. I always play with singers, too, or musicians. I did a show with Hugh Masekela. You know, here I am on a music show, right? Black music, brother. And I be traveling. Have you ever noticed they always put the uh, black stations at the end of the dial, no matter what city you're in? 14 and 16, what? It's force you to be driving with one hand, trying to get that beat. Looking for that beat, sports, knew it. 
Hey, listen, trying to get James on the set, man. I like James Brown, man. All right. All right. James is a genius, boy. Took six words, made 50 songs out of them. <laughs> right. yeah, okay, I dig it. Very economical, you know. And he digs pain, too. James digs pain. I can dig it, man, because he be saying the same thing. Hit me! Hit me! Maceo, use the whip, good guy. <clears throat> James is cool, boy. He likes to save words and music. <laughs> Economical way to make records, Jack. We'll save them words and put them on another album. <laughs> yeah, boy, he'll put out one side of his music, man. One side of his record would be nothing but grunts. <clears throat> <clears throat> and next side, he won't grunt. He'll call that instrumental, dig it? <laughs> Part two. <laughs> I like it. Oh, yeah, boy. I hate, I hate to be listening to the blues singers on the radio. Those blues singers bring you down, man. Their lives are so pathetic. You wonder how they make it, you know? Why don't they just die, you feel like, you know? <laughs> Give up, brother, you be saying, you know? As if that, and they don't, they can't enunciate anymore, you know? I do a little tune, yeah, but, but. You know? And they come on, man, they depress you, they come on. Boom, 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 boom. I got my butt kicked yesterday. You know? Boom, 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 boom. I didn't know what to do. Boom, 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 boom. I looked over at my old lady. She said, Jive suck, I'll kick it too. Yeah, yeah man. Hey, I want to thank y'all and good night.